0: Welcome to the Abouan Chronicles podcast. This podcast is hosted by five black Muslim women, Hafsa, Ikran, Istahil, Sahra, and Amal Khair. This is your girl Sahra, the one and only non-Canadian on this podcast. Join us every month as we talk about our personal experiences, pop culture, identity, and politics. Hello, Abouan listeners. This summer, we're hosting our very first live event and a Buon Art Gala. Exciting times! We're hoping to bring together the amazing folks who've been supporting us all these years. We know who you are, as well as local community members. We will have exhibits inspired by our episodes, but we also want to take this opportunity to showcase our listeners. If you are a Black artist, this call-out is for you. We are providing a paid opportunity to share your art at our gala, which will take place July 12th in Toronto. We will be accepting three submissions to be showcased. For more information, please check out the sign-up link in our description. We can't wait to see you all. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Abuan Chronicles podcast. This is your girl, Sahara, and today we have a special guest. Drum rolls. It is Hafsa. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about yourself.
1: So, yes, like you said, I am Hafsa. I'm from London, and... I mean, where do I begin, really, um, about myself? So, I work in the beauty industry. Um, I have done so for over 10 years now. Um, previously worked in marketing until last year. i um, currently an esthetician, so I've transitioned from marketing into becoming an esthetician. I create content. I have a podcast with Mind pretty soul. Um, you have a
0: really long CV, you know? <laughs> we can kind of start with a little bit about your blog, like a blog that I remember in my late teens <laughs> reading in early 2000s, 2000, 2010 Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so I, how old was I then? I think I was 19 and I remember, so actually it starts years before that. So ever since I was a kid, I was always that kid who loved makeup, hair, clothes, skincare, what nails, whatever it was. Like I, I was obsessed as a kid. I loved it so much and I was so into it that I always wanted to work in that industry. I just didn't really want to be a hairstylist or a makeup artist or whatever. I just loved it. I just loved the idea of it transforming and the transformative powers that beauty can have on someone and that it can kind of be a little bit of a lift or a bit of a boost for someone, right? And I was a student. I had done my... I just completed my first year of university and I hated my first year like I hated the degree that I was doing so in some kind of like rebellion stage I thought to myself I'm just going to go to Egypt and I'm just going to go there I'm just going to stay with some family that were living there and I wanted to study Arabic and just kind of enjoy the place for myself but also at the same time I also wanted to it sounds pretty extreme but I wanted to run away from my parents because I knew that I, I I I knew that I was going to make an announcement to them and tell them that I wanted to drop out of university. So I yeah. So I thought to myself, well, if I'm not face-to-face with them, then surely they'll just have to accept it and they can't really argue back with me. So what I'd done was I'd gone on this little self-discovery trip to Egypt, to Cairo. I stayed there, I think, for like three or four months and loved it. I decided I'm going to drop out of this university. I'm going to go to another one. And when I'd done that, I'd called them and I said, hey... I'm dropping out and I'm going to go to another university. I don't like this course. So obviously chaos ensued, but I just, they, they had to accept it. Right. But at the time as well, I said to myself, I really want to, to basically get a job in beauty. I don't know if it's to start a brand or if it's to do something, I just want to work in beauty. So at the time I had a mentor and she said to me, why don't you start a blog? Because when you kind of convey that interest through your writing, When it comes to, like, applying for jobs and stuff like that, they'll be able able to see that you actually have that interest, um, and you've taken it, like, in your personal life as well, just as much as you would in your professional life. So that's where Muslim Beauty started in the summer of 2011, and it was amazing. Like, I started it, I think, within a couple of months, I was just writing about anything and everything, like my favorite DIY beauty recipes, to skincare reviews, to, to makeup, to whatever, and, um... Within a few months, it kind of took off from there and I never saw it really being as successful as it was, especially because I was so young back then. And within a year, it was nominated for awards and it had won an award as well. And it was kind of getting coverage in the press and it was just really taking off. And now looking back at it, I'm a lot older now. 30, and I, yeah. I look back at that young girl who wanted to start something and I'm like, wow, you were pretty fearless and you've done something really cool at that young age. But um, no, it was amazing and that's actually what really prompted me to really take off in that field and and it opened so many doors for me, which I'm grateful for. Yes,
0: and I just like, I feel like you also um, kind of was like a mentor for a lot of other young Somali girls because I remember there were very few Somali girls, especially like in the blogging uh atmosphere or the blogging area uh where there's not that many somali girls doing it outside of maybe scandinavia i would say and i'm gonna like it was very incredible for me as a young girl because i remember reading your blog and i was thinking why is this girl not posting anymore i think it was like <laughs> the last couple of years of the blog and i remember um you definitely introduced me to like uh rude i remember oh, hey. keali rude i remember back in the day it wasn't that popular i feel like now with tiktok and everything it's a lot more popular but i remember you posting a lot about rude and uh, rings small things that i like the young like teenage oh. me was looking at it was very interesting and i feel like you we should give her our flowers you guys because it was definitely a stepping stone in Somali culture. I'll say that 100%. Thank
1: you. So honestly, thank you. That honestly warms my heart to hear you say that. Seriously, thank you so much. I'm literally just grinning. Seriously, thank you. Like for me, I, I think it's hard for you to see the impact when you're in it, when you're actually doing it because you don't, you don't necessarily feel it. You're just, you're just putting out this content or you're putting out whatever this thing and you don't realize who's Who's reading it, or because some people might not even actually say to you, Hey, I'm reading, but you never know actually the impact. Because for me, sometimes I listen to podcasts silently, I read blogs silently, I, I follow pages on Instagram, but I'm like their biggest fan, but I just don't necessarily go out of my way to say that to them. But I think I should now, hearing what you said there. Honestly, that's so sweet. Thank you. Like, I, what's so funny is you said obviously that I stopped for a few years. Like, it's interesting because I, so, I, that blog was really heavy for me when I was a student. So when I was doing my bachelor's and when I was doing my master's, like, that was when I was like at my like most productive, when I was at my peak. And that was for about a good four years. And then I'd graduated and I had officially gone into my career, right? And I was working on marketing. I won't say the brand. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're listening. But it was a very big, very big company in the beauty industry. And I remember when I was offered the job, they said to me, hey, we know you write a blog. And actually, that was one of the reasons why they gave me the job. But they said to me, hey, we know that you write a blog, but we love it. Go ahead. But we just want you to know that if anything you're writing, we just want you to make sure that it's not anything that's attributed to our company. And so that made me shook, like that really like scared me a little bit. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to get into trouble because this company owns pretty much nearly every single brand you can think of in the beauty industry. So what's left for me to review? Because I would have to either make disclaimers and say, hey, just to let you know, I actually work for the parent company. I work for for a sister company of this brand, just to let you know, and these are my own opinions. They're not of the company's opinions and so on and so forth. So it really made me worry. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's better. I don't say anything. And anytime when you were in the office and you would log into the computer, there was always this, this, this kind of like disclaimer that said you'd have to, um, do this agreement and you have to, I think it was like to press agree. So anytime you logged into the computer, you would have to basically essentially make a pact that. You're not going to post on social media in a way that's derogatory against the company or any of its partners or any of the people that endorse the brand or anything like that. So it was very like you were very much um, aware of the fact that anything you do say could be used against you or could could be held against you. So from there, I was just like, you know what, I'm just not going to bother. And also from there as well, I was like, this is my day to day job now and I don't really want to come home. And um Kind of talk about it when I'm at home as well I don't want it to, to take over my life it is my professional life now um so it kind of just kind of died down a little bit and I also realized that beauty wasn't my only interest and as I was getting older my interests were developing um not necessarily maturing but they were just developing and I was a lot more passionate about other things as well so it just kind of died down from there a little bit
0: yeah but, but with that feeling feeling like okay like a little bit intimidated by all these restrictions that you have at your previous or previous job, did you feel less inclined to kind of review their products or kind of use their products on your blog? Did you kind of feel like a little bit intimidated by that or?
1: Kind of. So kind of in a way you don't want to necessarily give your, I'll I'll be honest. For me, it was more like, I don't want to give my 100% honest opinion because if I don't like the way this product is, then, um, I can't really say off the company that I work for. But that wasn't necessarily why I didn't do that as much. It was just more of a... I was pretty honest on the blog as well. So I would always... I didn't want to make my voice less credible as well because I was always very honest about things. And I would say, even if I was receiving a product for free, I didn't hesitate to, to be honest and say, I didn't like it or... It wasn't so bad, but actually, it isn't for me. It's probably better better for someone with dry skin, for example. So I was always quite honest, and I didn't really want to um, to extend that necessarily to a brand, especially that I work for. Especially when you are kind of um, being a bit mindful about what you're saying. But that wasn't necessarily my main motivation for for not continuing it
0: was that. Um, compared to your blogging years uh, years ago, and what you're doing now with Pretty Mind Soul, what do you think is kind of like different? Uh, do you feel like it's a little bit more easier?
1: I do, I do, I do feel a lot easier for me now um, with my Pretty Soul. It's basically this thing where I'm a lot more. Um, so I do talk about DT, but I do touch on how it intersects with other things. Whereas the blog. In a way, we touched. I touched on our, um, how it, um, how it kind of crossed over with business sometimes, and how it touched over, touched over with Islam, but not really so much. Muslima Beauty was more of like a strictly beauty blog, whereas My Pretty Soul, I talk with my guests. We talk about how beauty crosses over with things like class, ethnicity, race, spirituality, um, self care, and well being, and health, and business. All of these things, right? So it's a lot more all encompassing. So with Mine Pretty Soul I realized that um I just didn't want to talk about beauty alone and funnily enough it was a it was actually a newsletter which I started in twenty sixteen. So I was racking my brain about how I was going to continue the blog. I kept pressuring myself and saying, You've got momentum on this blog, you're getting all this coverage in the press, you're getting you've got so many like engaged people that read, but you just don't have it in you to write. But then that's when in 2016 I started out as a newsletter and I said to myself, I want to do a newsletter to talk about how my interests have developed a little bit, hence my, my pretty soul. And then I want, from there I did a newsletter for a little bit, I think for about a year or so. And I was talking about, um, like, like I've just said, like spirituality, faith, um, self care, um, all of these things, right? Health and stuff like that. And again, that kind of waned down a little bit until 2019 when I started, um, all over again but yeah for me my pretty soul is just a lot more all-encompassing as opposed to it just being strictly beauty um and I think it's more reflective of me as well because beauty isn't just one area of things I like I don't necessarily even want to be just known as the person who just talks about beauty and makeup and skincare and hair because I have other interests you know 100%
0: so what do you think is kind of like the difference uh back then and now Do you see more people kind of doing the similar thing that you do where you kind of use beauty and kind of different other factors and kind of implement it? Um, What is the difference experience that you had previously and compared to now?
1: Oh, it's so interesting. It's changed so much now. It's changed. It's been like 10 years now, over 10 years. And the game has changed entirely. Like, I think back then... um, Not that you can't get away with it now, but you could be a blogger who had a really small, tiny, tiny audience, but they were super engaged. And you would have had this massively engaged community, but they weren't necessarily big. Whereas now, um, whereas now it's all about numbers, right? So, And I think that's because brands cottoned on to how much creators and content creators and writers and stuff like that can really... um, engage people. So back then they were doing that as well. Brands were still like kind of talking onto it, but not as much. Whereas now it's become this whole economy in and of itself. So I think back then, I will say that it was a lot more authentic because it was literally just people in their house, writing away on this blog. And what was so beautiful about that is that it was authentic. Whereas before you would get your opinions about beauty from journalists. And when it comes to journalists, Mm. They would have great relationships with these PRs who work for these brands, and they're getting a lot of freebies and and they're kind of getting on going on press trips and stuff like that. Not to say that their voices aren't credible, but at the same time, they weren't necessarily reflective of me as a Black Muslim woman, as a Somali woman. Um, so I didn't find any journalists who were talking about beauty in the way that I needed. Uh, you know, I needed an opinion that reflected me. There's no good in Reading someone who's talking about hair care when she doesn't have the same hair texture as me. She doesn't have the same skin tone as me. So, what does she know about the foundations and concealers that I need for my own skin? You know? So, what beauty blogging did back then is it really democratized everything. It basically made everything this level playing ground where people can basically get opinions about beauty from their own peers. And that's what it was back then. Back then, it was peer to peer saying to you, hey, this is how I feel about this. Maybe then you could actually benefit from this foundation or this um, conditioner or, or this hair gel or whatever the product is. It was literally peer-to-peer. Whereas now I don't necessarily see it as being peer-to-peer anymore because the industry has taken off so much that you have these content creators and influencers who are almost like these figures in their own right. They've surpassed the beauty journalists. They've surpassed... Um, they're they're celebrities in their own right and I love that for them because what I love is that people have literally forked out there and they've carved out their own fortune by being themselves but then at the same time that being said there isn't that um peer-to-peer element because it's almost like you're looking up to them and now when it comes to people who are younger who haven't necessarily grown up without influences being a thing because when I was growing up the influences weren't really a thing so it isn't Naturally, it's not going to be a peer to peer type of relationship. And I know that now there's this kind of talk about parasocial relationships where influencers um, and content creators will have this type of relationship with people where there's a somewhat of an over familiarity, but I can't really describe it so much. But yeah, parasocial relationships, I think, are now really worth taking into note when it comes to like influencers and content creators. So I think that was, that's the biggest and starkest contrast between back then and now um because it really took off and I never would have seen this happening before I'm not gonna lie like I never imagined um someone like a regular girl who was a youtuber who is now like this figure in her own right and it's it's incredible to see it's incredible to see but it's so interesting it's so interesting to see like the dynamic has shifted entirely now like you said journalism
0: and them being close to maybe like PR uh, peeps at companies. Do you feel right now with the amount of PR that being sent to kind of like influencers or uh, YouTubers or anyone really, with the amount of PR being sent out, do you feel like the (laughs) authenticity, like them being true? Because right now what sells is people being relatable, people being your next girl, uh, your neighbor that is what really sells right now in the industry. Do you think now with the amount of PR being sent out to them that maybe is being less authentic to themselves? Because all the, I don't know, because I've seen that a lot. I see a lot of discussions maybe on TikTok where people kind of bring up the conversation of being authentic, but at the same time receiving not necessarily PR, but collaboration. How can you be authentic to your audience when you have so many beauty Collapse.
1: Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you know, it's interesting answering this as someone who's been on both the brand and the content creator side, So I've seen it both ways. So, if I were to describe it from myself as someone who um, has worked in marketing, and I've worked very closely with um, with with PR, and with so like I've worked very closely with PRs who will then work with an influencer. As someone who has been on the brand side, I really value an authentic voice. Um, If I, if I, I've I've generally like in the past, I've been responsible for kind of picking out which influences we want to work with. Do we want to work with her? Who is she like basically kind of sensing out which voices to work with and which um, influences or content creators to work with. And I think why I would really like an authentic voice, even if they're brutally honest, that's because that's because, People can see through the BS, I think. A lot of people are able to see through it. They know nowadays that influencers and content creators, they are going to get considerable amounts of PR. They might not necessarily want to mess up the relationship that they have with this brand. Therefore, they might be a bit more diplomatic in the way they speak about a product or a new launch or whatever it is. So then what that means is people are going to be a little bit more skeptical so the reason why I'd want to work with someone who is a lot more credible, someone who's a lot more authentic is because people will say, OK, so in spite of the fact that this person has received this um, generous PR, you know, they've actually decided I'm going to still be very honest. I'm going to give my honest opinion. And that's why I genuinely appreciate when someone has an authentic voice, even to the detriment of a brand, um, because. It could, it could help, you know? Um, I just think, but then it's a, see, it's a tough question because even as someone who is, who's worked then on the side of a content creator, I was always in the back of my mind. I always said to myself, I don't want to just basically for the sake of receiving free products to be like, Oh my God, I love this product, even though I don't like it. It's horrible because imagine someone goes and spends their hard earned money and then they end up not liking it as well. What does that mean for me? That means that I'm not a credible person. That means I can be bought. That means I can be bought for just what for a free product or for for a bit of money? No. And that's where you see a lot of influencers who say I don't I say no a lot more than I say yes or I only work for paid. I only do paid promotion for products that I like or for brands that I like or for the ethos that I stand for and so on and so forth. So um I think it's harder now to kind of cut the noise out, sorry, to cut from the noise where people are saying, who can I trust? But the the person you do find who is trustworthy, stick to them in a way, if you're looking to, to kind of find valuable opinions for what you should buy next or for what product is worth buying or so on and so forth. Um, I don't know if I've answered the question properly, though. <laughs>
0: no that's perfect and also you kind of give a lot of insight to uh kind of like the other side too because i feel like what we hear we usually hear more from the maybe like the influencer or, or the youtubers or whatever we kind of hear more from their side and their relationship with brands yeah. and pr and whatnot but not necessarily from the other side which is also understandable because i don't think they can really air out their business like that um, so I feel like that is really great insight too. Thank you. Um, but also on with that, how do you feel as somebody who's been on both sides, how do you feel about the current like pressure to buy more products from um, maybe like from different social media sites, maybe like TikTok where something go viral and you kind of feel this unnecessary pressure to kind of be on trend uh, with such product or wellness?
1: Yeah, it's so, see, it's so interesting, right? Because I see... I see I see two ends of the coin on social media, right? So I see one, people encouraging skin minimalism. So saying you only need a select number of products in your skincare routine. And then I see maximalism to the complete highest order. Who's that girl in Euphoria who was using, you know, all those gadgets, have you seen Euphoria? I can't remember,
0: was it Maddie? I haven't, you? haven't watched it, I'm not gonna lie. If it counts that I watched on TikTok, then yeah, but I haven't never watched it. I think maybe, it's, is it Maddie?
1: So there's the blonde girl who's friends with her. I can't remember her name, but she yes, has a.
0: That cheated on, that went with her, with her ex. I remember that. But I don't remember her name. So she
1: has a crush on this guy, right? So she, every morning she wakes up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., I can't remember the time. But she has this, like, intricate skincare routine where she uses all of these gadgets. So she uses, like, an ice roller. Then she uses a gua sha. And she uses a high-frequency machine. And she uses um, an LED. And all these machines that she uses, right, for just a simple skincare routine for to go to school, just so she can look cute. I, I, I love skincare and makeup and everything and gadgets as much as the next person. Treatments. Give them all to me. But... I, what you see on social media is like, it's so, to the highest order, to the extreme that you think to yourself, how can your skin ever benefit? It's overwhelming. Sometimes less is more. And, and that's naturally where you kind of come into the question of consumerism. So I think, I think either people who use so much, like, as in, in one routine, either might not necessarily know so much about skincare and they're just using um, social media or whatever else, what other sources are out there to be informed about skincare. Or they just use it to enjoy it perhaps. Because I know that there are some people who kind of get a lot of enjoyment out of skincare and the routine of it all and stuff like that. But um also as someone who is a professional in skincare, like I'm an esthetician now, I think there's only so much your skincare like can benefit from. Like that I think when it comes to stuff like I don't know, like multiple serums Sometimes you don't need to use yeah. so many. You don't really need to use so many. Like there's no point. Sometimes it just, also sometimes some skincare ingredients cancel each other out or they aggravate one another as well. So you kind of need to also think about, am I using a, um, I don't know, a vitamin C with something like with glycolic acid, for example? No, you shouldn't use that necessarily in the same routine because it's going to irritate your skin. It's going to damage your skincare barrier. So, I would hope that if they're using so many products, they know exactly what they're using. They know which products complement one another as opposed to kind of um, counteracting each other or aggravating the skin. Um, Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think there is that conversation of maybe we just need to pare our routines down a little bit to actually just to the minimum of the most effective, get the most um, use out of um, as little as possible. Sometimes there is that as well. I do advocate for that. But at the same time, I do get using a lot of products. You just have to be smart about it, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I feel like maximalism for me, what I hear was the 2017, sixteen seventeen boom of Korean, like 12 steps Korean beauty routine that was just everywhere. And I remember like not only like a year ago finding out that People necessarily don't use that much products. Like, back in Korea, people would just heavily focus on cleansing, like double cleansing. That's really big. Yeah. But this 12-step routine is non-existent.
1: And also, saying that, if you have... Like, back back in the day, like, there was a whole focus, like you said about the Korean skincare, there was also the focus on the skincare shelfie in your bathroom. I was a massive sucker for that, right? I had a bathroom cupboard filled to the brim. But I'll be very honest, I didn't really use a lot of it because... What can I do? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, but you're, for the most part, if you have so many products in your cabinet, there's only so many you're going to use. Like, if we just think of things in a mathematical, logical way, some products are going to get used more than the other and they're just going to lie around and likely expire. They're likely going to just not be as effective, especially if we're thinking about ingredients that are active, like vitamin C, which is a volatile um, ingredient. Um, so there's only so much, so also that you can only have that, products for so long in your bathroom so what's it doing if you think about that so you have to kind of think about it in that kind of way as well but I just used to love looking at it but now looking back I'm like that's a bit cringe for me now I don't really use nearly as many products yeah I don't use as many products as I used to and this is someone who as someone I used to get really like I'm someone who is able to get discounts and I used to get freebies and I used to like for the brands I'd worked for I get free products. you get allocation sometimes, you get a discount. But then after a while I was like the novelty's just worn off. I don't really buy as much anymore. It's kinda of
0: crazy seeing the changes from like very maximalism to a point where right now people are only pushing for like oh tretinoin, just a cleanser. And if you're being a little bit adventurous, maybe use a serum during the day. And I feel like it either has to be either the two extremes every like five year rotation, but with beauty, let's go back to wellness. Cause I feel like right now your new blog, it's not just on you, but your current blog that you have right now, my pretty soul guys, they have a podcast and they have an Instagram page and a website. Let me know if I'm missing something. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that. You have changed kind of your narrative to more wellness right now. Um, why did you change from beauty to kind of more wellness? I remember you d- you do a lot of more recipes.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you feel about the changes that you've made, and also on the boom of wellness and gut gut health, as they say? Yes.
1: What are your your opinions about that? Oh my god, gut health! I'm all about gut health because basically the general argument is is that most diseases or most issues when it comes to your health begin in the gut, right? And there's a saying, I think, I'm, my, my, my business partner will probably say to me, I can't believe you're saying this thing is wrong, but I think it's that your gut is your second brain, if I'm not mistaken, but your gut is so crucial that your gut can really have an influence on your mental health, your skin care. Uh, sorry, not your skin care, your skin. Um, your gut is just the foundation for a lot of your health, right? So, if you get it right, good for you. You know, if and if it's if it's kind of suffering and, and you're not necessarily um, in the best of health when it comes to your gut, you will probably see it um, showing outwardly um, in your skin, or you might show see it kind of showing up in other um, concerns when it comes to your wider health. But I, the reason why I kind of transitioned from beauty into wellness is that my interests just really changed, and I. I also went through some mental health problems um, around the time I was studying, and around the time that I was doing the blog, and I was at the peak of my mental health in terms of like how bad it was back then. And I really, for me, to like the road to recovery was a three hundred and sixty degree approach for me. I I went to my doctor, and I got help help through my doctor. I also exercised, I started like doing loads of different things, right, to kind of help myself have a routine and to really just take care of myself completely holistically. And that's when I really fell in love with um, like just wellness and really making sure that I'm in as good as, as good health as I can be really. And um, I also have a hormonal condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which affects your hormonal health, which then in turn affects your skin. So for me, it was acne, but it wasn't acne in isolation it was a symptom of a much bigger problem so that's when I realized okay now I can see how my how beauty can intersect with with health and wellness how beauty intersects for me is that if my hormonal health is out of whack and it's out of balance then my skin will as well and I was the person who was blasting my skin with basically every harsh ingredient you can think of but it wasn't helping it was only damaging my skin further it was only um, not doing so much because I wasn't really looking after my hormones because I didn't really know so I went to a few professionals and I got some help and I from there kind of took on this, this really massive interest and intrigue for holistic health as well and making sure that I'm taking care of my insides just as much as I am me as well and that's where my interest has really taken off and that's where I'm really into food now and I'm really interested in the relationship that food has with my mental health with my physical health with my with my skin with my hair everything because there's so much that food like like food can be on medicine just as much as it can be the thing that leads to disease um i also think that there are plants out there that god alhamdulillah he's blessed us with that we can really use to our advantage that we can really lean on that there is so much faith in nature and it can really then impact us in the most significant ways you can think of, you know? So exercise as well, movement, moving your body. Like I'm I'm a massive fitness enthusiast. I love working out. I love weightlifting. I love exercising. I love pilates. So all of that kind of stuff, when it comes to like how it all encompasses into one, which is like the wider branch of like wellness and well being, I'm all over it because it's helped me and I I will always kind of shout it from the rooftops, and that's why I created Mind Pretty Soul because I wanted to talk to all of these women who are either working in those fields or might not necessarily be working in those fields. But I also want to know their relationship to their health, to their yeah. to beauty, to well being, to self care, everything, because it just it speaks for itself. Really, that when you take care of your health, it shows and it pays back. You know as someone who's
0: been in that space for a couple years what would you advise somebody who's just currently interested in getting into wellness because something could be very overwhelming and maybe like the first couple of days it works out and then kind of falls off what would you advise
1: i would advise be pragmatic be realistic with yourself i think a lot of us will probably attest to the fact that we've said oh my god i want to go on a weight loss journey and I'm going to cut out everything. And I'm going to go to the gym six days a week. Realistically, I know for a fact that if I was to take on that type of habit for myself, I'm going to fall off a week later because it's just not sustainable. It's not realistic for my life. I'm a busy person. I love food. I love chocolate. I love junk food just as much as I love my healthy food. So I'm going to be a bit realistic about myself. I know for a fact that I can't go to the gym six days a week. But I, what can I do instead? Okay, so if... I know that I can't go to the gym six days a week. I probably can go every other day, right? So I just have to be realistic with my lifestyle, with my commitments, with my um, timetable. And if you look at yourself and just say to yourself, these are the things in my life that are a priority. Okay, so if you're a mother, for example, if I'm a mother, I know that at this time I need to pick my children up from school and then I have them for the rest of the day. So in that case, can I perhaps go to the gym maybe During the day, okay, so no, I can't go during the day because I've got work. So maybe I can go early on in the morning or maybe I can go to the gym or I can not even necessarily go to the gym, but maybe I can just move my body in the evening when I know my kids are asleep or, you know, like just kind of be realistic about your commitment. Be realistic about the foods that you like. Don't force it. If you don't like smoothies, don't drink them. They're not necessarily the key to to health, you know. Um, Don't have quinoa. If you can't stand quinoa, don't. I hate couscous. Therefore, I know that I'm not going to eat couscous, right? I'm not the biggest salad person. Therefore, I'm not going to have salads. I'm just going to have healthy foods in other ways. So, be pragmatic and realistic with yourself, and just give yourself a bit of grace because if you can't, if you can't maintain a lifestyle, then it's not a lifestyle. It's a diet, and I hate the word diet. I hate the the idea of forcing yourself to do something for four months or for three weeks. Or, it's brutal. These are things that we need to take on as a lifestyle. And don't say to yourself, oh, I'm going to be on a cheat day. Cheat days for me are BS. I used to do that back in the day. And I realized that just my own habits, I'm i am more prone to, if I restrict myself mentally, then it's so much more desirable for me. So I just said to myself, you know what? I go to the gym, I eat. for the the most part 80% I eat quite nicely I eat good enough foods I eat nutritional nutritious sorry I eat nutritious foods I eat foods that are good for me but let me be realistic if I want to go and get a Big Mac I mean I don't really eat Big Mac but if I want to if you want to get a Big Mac have that but just know that for the rest of the day or maybe the next day, I'm just not going to eat that again because I know that if I eat that a day in, day out, day in, day out, it's not necessarily the best for my gut. It's not necessarily best for my health and my mood and I feel sluggish and my digestive system and so on. So just be realistic with yourself and say, I'm not going to restrict food. I'm not going to go to the gym 10 times a week. I'm just going to be realistic. Yeah, just be realistic, be pragmatic and give yourself grace and just work in things that you know are going to work through your own lifestyle, you know? And I think that is the key. I know it sounds really cliche when people say lifestyle, but it's true because I don't like the idea of people just doing something for three weeks because it's so hard to maintain. Find something that is easy to maintain for your life, you know?
0: I feel like diet culture, kind of like the early two, maybe the Y2K Mm. style, fashion style and everything, I feel like diet culture is coming back in full
1: swing. Yes, yeah, so you see on TikTok, it's you see it everywhere. See. I know we keep talking about TikTok a lot, but TikTok is really, it's really good in terms of seeing a, a mirror to what society is right now, right? And exactly. as someone who grew up in the Y2K era, it's so interesting to see now the young people who didn't grow up in that era, they were probably toddlers or they were born around that time. They're kind of tapping into that aesthetic, right? And it's so interesting yeah. to see you're seeing that girl and that girl who goes to the gym at like six in the morning and she has like a smoothie for yeah. breakfast and she has a smoothie bowl and she has like an avocado, like a, like a Buddha bowl or a, like a plant-based this and that and the other. And as much as that's great, good for you, I love that. I love that stuff myself. But how much of that is realistic? And also how much of that is also somehow repackaging diet culture as well, you know? yeah. It generally, it
0: generally feels like you take a little bit of a TikTok and you put Pinterest because I feel like a lot of things right now, it's kind of Pinterest is really having a really big influence on TikTok right now. It's a TikTok culture because the whole high feminine value, high value yeah. woman, <laughs> that girl, and it's very Pinterest related because I feel like a lot of people kind of glamorize people that are on pinterest like certain pictures there's a little like they kind of build in this tight aesthetic based on that yeah Uh, it's kind of scary thing to see to be honest yeah that we're
1: living according to aesthetics it's crazy like i'm someone i'm someone who's very creative i love a good aesthetic i love visual cues right but to me i think the idea of living according to an aesthetic is a bit bit, mm, to me i don't know like this highly curated lifestyle yeah. Um, if, you, if that's for you, then good for you. But I don't necessarily like the idea of almost forcing and, and really like editing your lifestyle just so that it looks aesthetically pleasing to people, you know?
0: Yeah. So you got to have your own style and kind of figure out who you are. And I feel like that's even more difficult, even though we have so much material to use. Yeah. I feel like it's a little bit harder now to kind of like figure out your own style or who you are, okay, your own aesthetic, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm saying that I know that we're, like we're naturally going to kind of go with the flow in terms of, we're gonna go with the flow of what society deems um, attractive or deems um, aesthetically pleasing or trendy, right? So the clothes we wear are gonna naturally go in line with that just by default of us kind of being um, just human, right? We're gonna buy this, this dress because, it's in right now or whatever. Um, so let's not, I'm not going to act like I'm this person who is like, I'm so, I'm so authentic and I'm so original. I'm going to dance the beat of my own drum and I'm an anti-aesthetic person. But that being said, mm. just be you. If you like it, go for it. If you don't like it, however, then don't necessarily feel pressured just because it's the thing that everyone is into, right? Just kind of take what you like and take what, take what you like and leave what you don't like, you know?
0: Exactly, we're all like, it's an everlasting journey, it can change tomorrow, and it won't necessarily be the same, I, we all probably did not look the same that we were 10 years ago, yeah, you know, so it's always a changing, that's kind of like the beauty of it too, 100%,
1: 100%, I love that, yeah, I love that you can look back, sometimes it's cringe, I look back at pictures from like 10 <laughs> years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, even like 5 years ago, and you kind of, sometimes I cringe, but at the same time, those are nice memories that you can look back at and you think oh do you remember when we used to wear pepsum tops or like when we used to do our hair this way um or we used to do our makeup this way and matte lip lip like you know there's liquid lipsticks where i think whereas now no one could be, you wouldn't be seen dead in that but it was its time you know there was a time for that which is so interesting to look back at exactly
0: i always think about that one like t-shirt and then there's another like long arm uh thingy under it like when I was a kid, everybody used to do that because you know, first of all, hello girls. <laughs> yeah. like, no. Yeah. You're not gonna show your arms. Oh my gosh! But yeah. I remember like that style. Right now, it's like everybody's do- like a lot of people are doing it right now. Which is kind of it's a little bit, eh, but it's still fun to see people kind of like barring. Maybe like Y Y2- two is it Y two K?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Like the Y two K trend. Like when I was like. When I was growing up in that era, like we would wear velour tracksuits, and it's crazy to see it coming back. And like the low rise trousers, I would never wear low rise trousers now, but back yeah, then. People used to bully you. Yeah, and even skinny jeans, I'm hearing now, skinny jeans aren't in style anymore. What else isn't in style? Like a side parting isn't in trend anymore.
0: The side parting, I, I still don't understand. I feel low key when I do my, when I look at myself in the mirror and I'm trying to do my hair, and I kind of see that side part. I just get this like inside voice, you know, like <laughs>
1: yeah. you're old. Yeah, what do they call it? And it's like, called I like chuggy like, or something. Chugi? Or something.
0: Chuggy. That's like really like white millennial lady like chuggy. I feel like that is very uh, a dumb women thing. Ah, okay. Because I've never heard a woman of color using that term. It's like the C H. Yeah,
1: C H E U G Y. I recently came across that word. And I came across that word and I was like, what does that mean? And then I heard that it's like Gen Z people use that word for millennials now. But actually, it makes sense that I guess it is for like, I'm imagining it's a special specific branch of millennial white women who do the whole live, laugh, love thing, right?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that because I feel like I've never heard somebody call me cheeky. But I feel like now the middle part is going to retire because I know for a fact now I see a lot more younger people doing the side parts again. Because it's kind of like you can kind of hide your face.
1: I have a big forehead. I need a side part. I mean, I do love a, I do love a, I do love a middle part. I'm not gonna lie. But sometimes, like you know, with a, with, with, if you've got your hair, if you've got your curls popping, and you do a side part, and it just kind of swoops over the forehead a little bit. I love that, and a bit of volume at the front. It looks really nice. This is this is against me as a Somali woman. This is like anti big forehead. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I feel like
0: this is for, um, a lot of these, like, restriction. it never counts curly-haired girls. No, they don't. Like it only applies to, like, straight hair, <laughs> like, you straight, especially, like, a wavy, maybe straight hair. Yeah. I feel like it kind of applies to them. I feel like we good. We good, okay, we're good. We, we, we don't have to worry about it. We kind of covered so many different topics, and I feel like one thing for our listeners, I would love for you to kind of be like, hey... These for each topic, so we covered beauty, wellness. So what are your favorite thing for each, I would say? Like maybe your f- current favorite beauty product and your favorite wellness recipe and your f- maybe favorite um, fitness routine that's not the Stair masters.
1: Oh, I hate the stairmaster masters. <laughs> Give it to us. Gen- no- I've never used it, but the idea of the concept of it is baffling to me. I've never mm-hmm. used it. I can't say that I hate it. Let me not say that, actually. Let me take that back. But... The idea of being on a stairmaster for forty minutes doesn't appeal to me. I'm more of an efficiency person in the gym. Like I want to, I want to get the most out of the least possible. I'm very much all about efficiency in my life, and it doesn't seem the most efficient thing for me. <laughs> I struggle to walk up regular stairs, let alone a stairmaster. For me, I'm more of a. I just want to go straight in. Oh, I want to do this, and I. And maybe it's because I'm cardio averse. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> so my favorite beauty. So in terms of beauty. I'm really into skincare. Um, right now, especially right now, like I'm in this kind of process of just kind of like trying to treat some hyperpigmentation, left over from pimples that I've had in the past. So I've been getting treatments. I've been getting like microneedling and peels. And so I, I don't really have the opportunity to wear makeup. So my routine is more moisturizing. So now I am absolutely obsessed with the corset. I think that's how it's pronounced. sin. It's so moisturizing it's so hydrating it proper gives your skin like a suppleness to it as well so I just like pack on a lot of moisture on with the smell my skin. So that's favorite beauty in terms of wellness um probably the first thing that comes to my mind is a herb called ashwagandha I always talk about ashwagandha because it's pretty much a super herb so it's an adaptogen herb which means that it adapts to whatever your body needs At that moment in time or whatever your body um, is lacking or needs. So it brings its aim is to bring balance to your body. So if you need energy, it will give you energy. If you need relaxation and to be mellowed out, it will mellow your body out. So I usually take it at night and it helps me go to sleep like pretty quickly. And then in the morning, I will generally kind of almost jump out of bed with so much energy in the morning. It just gives you endurance, stamina. Energy, but it also really relaxes your body. So that, for me, in terms of wellness, ashwagandha is like up there. Um, and then in terms of fitness, um, I am obsessed with skipping right now. So I really, I for me, generally when I was saying that I'm really efficient when it comes to working out. I'm generally a weightlifting person, so I want to basically I go in and I just lift my weights, and then straight after lifting, I will skip. So I hate the treadmill. I hate stairmaster. I hate any cardio like that. I do like circuit training and I do like boxing. That's a really good cardio workout. But um, I want to just skip. So I'll skip for about maybe 20 minutes. I'll put on some songs and then just skip and do little motions and little different tricks and movements and stuff like that. And yeah, that's what I'm obsessed with because I feel like skipping is super efficient because what you can do in 20 minutes or even 10 minutes of skipping, personally, at least in my experience, I feel like I've gotten more out of that than being on the treadmill for like 40 minutes because it just gets your heart going and it's a killer in terms of your shoulders your calves your body like your just your whole body it's a full body workout but you feel it more in your calves in your shoulders and stuff like that and I'm always really someone who encourages women to train their shoulders and their back so if you want nice shoulders skipping Mm. and calves and everything it's just incredible yeah yes
0: That is amazing. I'm taking down some notes too (laughs) because my back is the back of a (laughs) six-year-old. I need to get that. (laughs) I need to get that going. But thank you so much, Hafsa. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us and follow our Instagram, Twitter, and Curious Cat Socials at Abwan Podcast. Our TikTok is at Abwan Chronicles or even email us at ablondchronicles at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the team, check out our merch at ablondchronicles.com, and you can also buy us a coffee or purchase a monthly membership at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Podcast. This season, we're coming with new episodes every first Wednesday of the month. Don't forget to turn on that notification bell.